Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Let's jump right in and read our text today. Turn with me to John chapter 6. If you have your bulletins, just keep in mind, I, I try my hardest to make sure I put the scripture that we're going to be reading in the bulletin. So that'll give you a head start sometimes if you need to get to that page or wherever you need, need to be. But we'll be in John chapter 6 today, starting in verse 14. John 6, 14 through 21. If you're there, say amen. John 6, starting in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into the boat, and went over to the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come back to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So they had rowed about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, "Is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I thank you once again for today, and I thank you for this word. Father, I just ask that you fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we might be able to learn from you. Use me to be able to teach all of us, not just them, but me, myself. Teach us how we need to be able to learn your word so we can use your word in our daily lives. Father, we thank you so much for everything you do, and we just thank you especially for your word that we get to to be able to delve in today. But more importantly, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing in our series about those encouraging conversations Jesus was engaging in. And in this week's account, Jesus doesn't really include much of a conversation, but we do get to read some very encouraging words from Jesus to his disciples. And he says, it is I, do not be afraid. It is I, do not be afraid. But see, before the story arrives at these reassuring words of Jesus, see, there's a storm that we really need to consider. And I think we can learn a lot from that storm. The plot's set in verse 15. And John tells us that Jesus observed the throng of people who had just been miraculously fed with the little boy's lunch that we just talked about a couple weeks ago and mistakenly decided that it was time for Jesus to be made king. But in order for this misconceived plot from hatching, Jesus, well, he retreated further up into the hills and he did it alone. In the meantime, as he was doing this, Jesus instructs his disciples to go ahead and get on the boat and headed for the other side of the lake. But instead of experiencing the joy of his kingdom, Jesus chooses rather to let them experience the storm and darkness. Christ takes refuge on the mountaintops, then sends his followers out to face the storm without him. So why did Jesus intentionally send his followers into a storm? Why doesn't God keep us out of our own storms that we live every day? 
And what can we do to be able to weather the storms in our lives as we go through them? Well, based on this story, I think we need to consider three life jackets that Jesus is throwing out to us that we need to be able to understand. And the first life jacket we need to understand is that we need to hold tight to the plan and the purpose of God. We need to hold tight to the plan and the purpose of God. See, we know that the storm was Christ's plan for his disciples because of what scripture tells us. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, we've been talking about this a little in the series that we've been going through. And two weeks ago with the feeding of the 5,000, if you remember, we talked about that God always has a plan. Do you still believe that? Amen. God always has a plan. And the disciples, just like us, well, they didn't know what to do at this particular point. But I'll tell you a promise that God always knows what to do. God always knows what to do. See, that's one of several great reasons that we need to follow God's instructions implicitly. If God says, get in a boat, well, guess what? We need to get in a boat. If God says, go to the other side of the lake, then we need to go to the other side of the lake. Even if we don't understand all the reasons for God's instructions in our lives, we need to listen to what he has to say and then obey what he has to say. So there's times that we all need to know, all we need to know is that if God instructs us to be able to take a certain course of action, then he has a plan and he has a purpose, whether we comprehend it or not. His plan is not dependent on whether we understand it or not. It's kind of like when you have kids and your kids ask them, well, why do we got to do it this way? And it says, because I said so. It's not necessarily for our place to understand, is it? Sometimes God just says so, and that's why we need to do it. So Jesus not only wanted his followers on the other side of the lake, he also wanted them to go there and go through and weather that storm that Jesus obviously knew was going to come. But why? Why did he want them to go through it? Why would he want them to feel the fatigue for rowing on hours and hours upon no end? Feeling that discomfort, being soaked by the waves, the discouragement of not making any progress. Why would he want him to go through it? This doesn't seem to fit our theology of Christ sometimes. We know that he came to give us rest from our heavy burdens, at least according to Matthew eleven twenty eight. So why would he deliberately send us into situations and circumstances that make us miserable? Well, we need to realize what storms can actually do for us. First, storms can actually protect us. Storms can actually protect us. Think about this for a minute. If the disciples stayed there on shore, they would have been infected with all the polluted thinking of the short-sighted multitude, and they would have been in the presence of that politically correct crowd who wanted Christ to be their king right then and there, but not for anybody except their own personal benefit. They were so bent on, his plan, on this plan that they followed Jesus across the lake the next day. And Jesus was the prophet that the people had been expecting. He is the Messiah. At least they got that part right. 
But what they misunderstood was the timeline behind the Messiah's work. See, before Jesus would rule as king, he would have to first suffer and die, and you know the story, for the sins of the people. But they skipped over all those Old Testament passages that dealt with the suffering of the Savior, and they only emphasized the part that shows him reigning as king. wonder, do we do that at times? Who, I mean, after all, who really wants to talk about dying or suffering? We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to go through storms, do we? All we want is the joyous part of the event. But is it wrong to succeed in life, to want to succeed? Of course not. But what is wrong is trying to succeed without playing by the rules. We cannot try to succeed by not playing the rules. You've seen news clips of several things that happen in our world. You know, one thing that stands out this time of year is when senior citizens are being interviewed on TV and they say they lost their whole life savings because of some sort of scam. And there were, maybe it was a retirement fund that they had and some big corporate fat cat wanted to live their own opulent lifestyle, but he did it on the expense of others. See, we get angry with things like that, and yeah, we should, because that's immoral. We all get angry when we hear about people trying to ignore the rules, but it's because we, they're usually trying to take advantage of others. Jesus, though, he plays by the rules. He was playing by the rules in this story that we just read. And what we need to understand is we cannot make Jesus do what we think he should do. Did you hear that? We cannot make Jesus do what we think is best. Jesus is only going to do the right thing. And the will of God is the only right thing. He was teaching his disciples, though, to do the same thing, wasn't he? See, the world, it often clamors for us to ignore the rules. It's okay, it's only a little white lie. It's okay that you found $20 lying around. You can put it in your pocket. So many other things that the, the world says is okay. But if we're truly following Jesus, we need to be obeying the rules. We cannot ignore the rules that are set forth in front of us. And the rule that we're talking about here is, is and the reason Christ couldn't allow himself to be made king at that time is the same reason that he didn't allow himself to be coronated when the crowd wanted him to be. It's because God's holiness demands a payment for our sin. God's holiness demands a payment for our sin. Jesus had to make that payment for our sins, for your sins, for mine, before he could take the throne. And those are the rules of God's righteousness and holiness. Jesus had to endure a cross before wearing a crown. Now remember, we said earlier in this series, one of the key things to John's gospel was the timing in Jesus' life. Seven times John mentioned that Jesus' time had not come, had not yet come. Why? Because man's timing is often wrong. Man's timing is often wrong. But here's a promise we can stand on. 
God's timing is always right. Because God never ignores the rules. The multitude wanted to circumvent, uh, circumvent the plan that God had in store. They wanted to go by their own timing. They didn't want to suffer anymore. They wanted a king to be able to reign. And you know what? We don't want to suffer anymore. We don't want to have to go through the hardships that we go through. We don't want storms. We want sunshine. We want smooth seas. That's natural. But once again, we're not talking about natural life that we need to be living we need to be living a supernatural life. And it certainly takes supernatural power to live by all the rules when all those around you are giving you suggestions that you don't need to play by all the rules. See, Jesus didn't want his novices in training to, to be infected with the virus of trying to circum, uh, circumnavigate the plan of God. So sometimes God sends storms into our lives, into your life, to be able to protect you from the subtle influence of the crowd. But there's something else that storms can do for you. And this is sometimes why Jesus sends storms into your life. And that's because storms can strengthen you. Storms can strengthen you. 1 Peter 5.10 tells us, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Storms make you strong because they discipline you. God is the perfect parent. Amen? Do you believe that? God is the perfect parent. He's not like the mother or father who won't discipline their child because they don't like the feeling that they get after they discipline their child. Don't you know the parents I'm talking one of the, the one that places their feelings above and beyond the child and the good parenting that they need to be able to grow into a great person, a godly person. See, what I'm trying to tell you is that God feels for you when you go through your storms. But he knows your maturity level, wherever that might be. And your growth and progress as his, as his child are intricately tied to your periodic struggles in life. So storms will protect us. It'll strengthen us. But the third thing we need to realize is what storms can do for us is that storms help you help others. Storms help you help others. Second Corinthians chapter one, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Do you see all those comfort words in there? It's a lot of them, isn't there? Think he's trying to get a point across to us? See, God sends storms into our life that, so we don't become so self-centered. Because it's so easy to become self-centered in this world. We need to learn to be able to take care of hurting people. We need to be able to understand and empathize with their problems. You know the difference between sympathize and empathize? See, empathy means that you understand what they're going through. 
God wants caring hearts. He wants caring hands to be able to minister to suffering people so that he sends us to the school of the storms so we might learn something from him. Now, some of you might have been through maybe the storm of abuse. And your heart is moved and you're a little bit more easily motivated than others to help people who are suffering the ravages of uh, abuse. Maybe some of you have been through bankruptcy or divorce, self-inflicted wounds through layoffs or firings, through physical ailments. You have loneliness or heartache, suffering. Maybe your heart cries out and says, God, why are you letting this stuff happen to me? Because even the strongest Christian can fall on their knees and wonder why. Why do you keep letting these things happen to me? You're a great God and a powerful God, and all you got to do is just blink an eye and keep it all away from me. But you know what God says? He says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because sin has entered this perfect world that I created And I'm sorry that you're feeling the effects of the sins of yourself and the sins of others. But let me tell you something encouraging. Now that you've been able to go through that storm, I need you to help someone else get through it. See, once you've been through that storm, you start judging people less. You start loving and caring for them a little bit more. And those are the kind of people God blesses and uses as his representatives. So we can hold tight to the plan and we can hold tight to the purpose of God in our life storms. That's the first life jacket. The second life jacket that will keep you from perishing in the storms of life is that we need to hold tight to understanding. We need to hold tight to understanding. The big battle in the storms of life that we go through is not as much against our problems as, as much as it is how we perceive our problems. See, it's in our thinking. Remember what Proverbs 2.2 2 says? So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. But what is it that God's telling us that we need to understand in our storms? I don't get it. Why do, what do we need to understand? Well, we need to understand who God is and who we are. We need to understand who God is and who we are. See, the glory belongs to God and God only, not us. Do you believe that? Amen. Jesus walked on water to be able to prove the laws of nature doesn't even apply to him. He created this natural world, and we're part of that creation. But one of humankind's greatest sins is pride. We sometimes think life is about us, but it isn't. Storms help us understand who God is and who we are. Yeah, we're created in his image, but we're still not God. We can't shoulder that responsibility, can we? During Sunday school, one pastor was teaching an adult Bible study class, and he selected an older couple uh, to act out the burning bush scene, you know, in the Old Testament. And he asked the husband to supply the voice for God, and his wife was supposed to read Moses' lines. 
And all was going well until they got to the, uh, verse 15 of Exodus chapter 3. And the wife speaking as Moses mistook her husband's dialogue for her own. And she started reading, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers. The pastor stopped them and interrupted her and said, wait a minute, you're not God. And without missing a beat, her husband says, I've been trying to tell her that for 40 years. But it's not just our spouse who reminds us, is it, that we're not God? Storms in our life remind us that we're not God. That's what they're there for. But we also need to understand that Jesus can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. For all their strenuous rowing, those disciples didn't even reach the other shore. Matthew and Mark's account, well, they let us know in the same story that it was somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning when Jesus appeared walking on the water. So they've been rowing from anywhere from 6 to 9 hours at this point. And because of the wind, they barely made any progress. You see in our account, they went, they went uh, 3 or 4 miles in verse 19. Now, if you're a progress-oriented individual, storms aggravate you for this reason more than any other. You don't mind the wind and the rain just as long as you continuously get somewhere. You're not afraid of the dark or the deep. But what aggravates you is that you're not making any progress. So every now and then, God will send a storm into your life to make you remember that making progress isn't up to you alone. Storms help us understand our need for God. Matthew 5.3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or the way the message reads, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. All we need to remember is that God will never let us down. He will never let us get pushed past our limit. And he'll always be there to help you come through it. We need to always remember the promise that we're given in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What a promise that is to know that God is there, that nothing can overcome our God, and God only goes so far. You know, if you look at the waves out in the ocean, they only come so far, don't they? Certain times of the day, they might come in a little bit deeper than they would other times of the day. And then sometimes like this year, we had king storm or whatever they called it instead of high tide, king tide, I think it was. But it still only came so far and no more. See, Jesus coming to the disciples while walking on the water, that wasn't a miracle that was witnessed by a large group like the feeding of the 5,000 was. Only his intimate friends got to witness this miracle. So Jesus must have thought very highly of this potential of these apostles, or he wouldn't have enlisted them into this training program of the storms. He wouldn't have set the stage or given them the opportunity to be able to see his power through the storms that they were going to go through. 
So let me encourage you. The storms that you are weathering right now, the storms that you may weather down in the future, the storms that Jesus allows you to weather, they're evidence that your faith can withstand them because he's letting you go through it. You just got to hold tight to that faith because Jesus believes in you. He believes in you. But not only did Jesus walk on the water to come to their rescue, but the boat immediately ended up on their destination. Jesus accomplished immediately what their efforts weren't able to do. They weren't able to accomplish that in their own strength. See, you're going to find sometimes in the middle of the storm that once you reorder your priorities, that goal is reached. So first, we are to hold tight to the plan and purpose of God. Second, we're to hold tight to understanding. And here's your third life jacket. We need to utilize this life jacket when we weather life storms. Hold tight to your faith. Hold tight to your faith. That's, this one's so important. But in order to hold tight to our faith, we need to review our faith history. See, the disciples, well, they had been previously through a life-threatening storm on the same lake not that long ago. If you remember on that previous occasion, the experience was during the day, not at night. And, but this time Jesus was in the boat with them. And he said to his disciples in Matthew 8, 26, Why are you fearful, O, o, o you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. If they didn't have much faith before the first miracle of the sea, shouldn't they have had more faith afterwards? Well, in the first storm, he was teaching them a different lesson. He was teaching them that he was the master of the sea, that he controlled nature. But in the second storm, he's now helping them to realize that just because he wasn't in a boat doesn't mean he doesn't care and see their situation that they're in. See, Jesus is teaching them that their faith relationship with him should always be growing. Is yours growing? I pray it is. At the very least, they should have remembered the last storm and how Jesus brought them through it. But instead... They were fearful when they saw a figure moving across the surface of the water faster than they were traveling. And the faith that prompted the disciples to get in the boat in the first place, well, that same faith needed to persist throughout the whole storm. Don't let fear overpower your faith. There's something from how God has helped you in your past to be able to encourage you in the storms that you're going through. We need to not have that faith just when we get started. But we need to have that faith when it gets tough. But there's another way to fortify your faith during the storms. We need to look around for the blessings. In all things, give thanks, right? Not for all things, in all things. See, one of the items that I believe was bought, brought into this boat trip were the 12 baskets that were full of leftovers from feeding the 5,000. Remember, we talked about who got those leftovers. 
the apostles. Those disciples of Jesus got received those baskets. So I believe that they brought it because it just happened immediately after feeding the 5,000. And looking at those leftovers that they received should have been a great reminder that, of the miracle that they just witnessed with God. And it should have bolstered their faith tremendously. Why fear the storm when you serve a master who can miraculously multiply five loaves and a little fish to feed thousands and thousands of people? Do they forget? Or have we forgotten that Jesus is with us even though we don't see him? Jesus is with us even if we don't see him. And we need to take courage with all the blessings that we do see around us. Mark 6, 46 tells us the reason Jesus went up into the hills besides just to get away from the frenzied multitude. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. See, I believe Jesus was praying for the disciples during that storm. He wasn't just praying that they wouldn't have to go through the storm, but praying that they would get why the storm is happening. See, Jesus does not perform miracles just for our comfort. He performs them for our character. He wants us to become more like him. So I want to review quickly what we've learned tonight. We should be able to see God in our storms. And we should let others see God in our actions during the storm. Do you know that's when your witness is at the highest? When people see that you're going through a lot of turmoil in your life, where most people would just give up, that you stand strong in your faith. We should hold tight to his plan and his purpose because God has a will that is perfect and it's not going to budge. I promise you it won't budge. So we just need to hold tight to know that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. We need to hold tight to understanding and hold tight to our faith. Because without understanding who God is and understanding that we have faith in a miraculous, powerful God, then all's for naught. God can do all things. And we can't. So we must rely on God. And if we do those things, we're not going to only be able to weather our storms a little bit easier, but we're going to find that God is using us to help others weather their storms. You know, God gives people different reason, different storms in their life. And I know there's some here that are going through some tremendous storms. We have a great God who's given us some promises, some encouragement, some examples to live by. And we just need to be able to start opening our Bibles and looking at it as not just words, but how is Jesus, how is God trying to teach me those words today about my life? What are those words teaching me today? What can I learn from God and when we go through storms, and this is a, a sub-bullet that I haven't put down. 
I wonder, do we ever pray and ask God to help? Or do we just try to fight our way through the storms? So we can't. We need to ask God for help. And we just got to leave it at his feet. And yeah, you'll still go through a storm. And yeah, it'll still be difficult. But we'll have peace. Peace. And that's better than joy, I promise you. Peace is so much better. So I want to encourage you with that word today. I hope you get encouragement from it. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at Pastor Nick Central Baptist PSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.